What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and I have a special guest, the one and only Brian Williamson. How you doing, Brian? Hey, Robert. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Uh, I don't know exactly how special I am, but I really... I, I re- I'm really looking forward to talking to you because I like your show. So thanks. no, no, it's it, tables a turn, man. Normally everybody's on your show, so it's good to get you <laughs> on my show so they can hear your story. That's it. You know what's funny is no one really asks me to come on their show. Um, I don't know. I think it's because uh, they're just intimidated by my good looks or something. I don't know, but uh, like you were like, "Hey, come on!" I was like, "Sweet, yeah, I'd love to talk to you." So I appreciate it. It must be the good looks, man. The devilish, <laughs> good, the, the goatee that's, action going on. That's right. That's right. It's the only thing it can be. <laughs> It's more than I can grow, so you got me beat. <laughs> That's right. Um, well, cool, man. So for anybody that doesn't know, like I've, I've heard your story you know, at KetoCon and whatnot and just talking to you in the past, but I mean, you've got a pretty cool background as far as like how you got into keto in the first place. Like that's that's a worthwhile story for sure. Uh, yeah, so I, <clears throat> I got into the ketogenic diet um, as a way uh, through my son because of my son. Uh, my son in um, when he was – I believe he was nine or ten. He was diagnosed with, um, or maybe he was no, he was older than that. Maybe he was twelve or thirteen. Yeah, he was diagnosed with epilepsy. He had his first seizure. Uh, my wife and I were at a movie, and my oldest son called right as we stepped out of the theater. We were finished watching the movie. Um, it was District Nine, if anyone cares. Um, <laughs> and we we're walking in the parking lot with some friends of ours. And my wife got a phone call, and my son. We didn't understand what my son was saying, but he was basically trying to say something's wrong with Noah. I've called the ambulance, right? So as a parent, those are not sentences you really want to hear ever when you're talking when someone's talking about one of your kids. So we raced home. There's an ambulance in the driveway. Lights are going, and you know, go to the living room, and Noah is disoriented, um, and. We don't know exactly what happened, but the the paramedics say, you know, it sounds like he had a seizure, but, you know, we don't know for sure. Do you want us to take him to the hospital? We said yes, take him to the hospital, and we scheduled his neurology appointment diagnosed with, with epilepsy. So as a standard course of treatment, uh, kids who are diagnosed with epilepsy, um, they get a brain scan to see what kind of uh, electrical activity is going on. And his came back abnormal. So there was definitely something wrong. So from that point on, um, doctors will look for medications or medic- medication combinations in order to, to treat seizures. And the medications that they put my son on, um, they didn't have the best effect. Uh, he, was ha- he's, he was having a seizure on average once every three months. With the medication? With the medications. <clears throat> and... Every time he had a seizure, the doctor would come in and either adjust the medication or change the medication, either add or um, adjust the current one, um, the, the dosage. So um, we went through this change several times, uh, like almost for two years, roughly. And the final um, straw that broke the camel's back, as far as I'm concerned, uh, he was on a particular combination of medications, and it was clearly not having any any benefit because he went from having a seizure once every three months to almost once a week and they were really bad like violently bad like i'm sitting here with my son's head in my lap thinking he's going to die like that's how bad like it it's that terrifying 
of a seizure. Um, and this happened repeatedly. So we went back to the doctor and at, this is after a couple of years of different medications. She just kind of off the cuff mentions, oh, by the way, you may consider um, starting him on a ketogenic diet. Now, I'd heard of keto before because uh, I believe it or not, I spent time in the weight rooms uh, when I was a kid, when I was younger, growing up. Um, and the the bodybuilder types uh, would would speak about keto as a way to cut, not as a lifestyle, just as a way to cut, you know, and, and prep for for shows. Um, so I'd heard about it, but that's what I that was the context in which I knew it. So I was curious as to why a bodybuilding thing would be beneficial for for epilepsy. So I went home and I did a crap ton of research and found out, you know, a, a lot about it and approached my son and said, you know, this is something that is at least worthwhile. You should we should consider it. You know, you should consider it. And his response was basically, um, yeah, I don't think you can eat like that. So me being the the parent that I, I am, I I wanted to prove to him that you could, not because I wanted to prove him wrong, but because I wanted him to start. Because anything that I can do to try to help my my son, I want to do. So um so I started eating keto and I started feeling ridiculously good. Like much, much better. Because I was depressed at mm-hmm. the time. I was um I was going through a pretty severe depression. And this sort of kicked me out of it and all of a sudden you know life doesn't suck anymore was and the depression related to your son having seizures it was a, it was related to a lot of things the my son having seizures was certainly one of them um i had just had to close uh i used to run an mma school and i had to shut that down uh, i was still working full-time in a job that was kind of you know soul crushing uh wasn't a terrible job it just it wasn't fulfilling at all um a lot of other stuff going on um you know I, I it was a series of constant mistakes that i kept making just throughout my life that like were starting to add up you know and tack on the fact that now my son has epilepsy um and you know it's weird and i don't know if there are any parents with kids who are diagnosed with any kind of illness like this who are listening but uh and and I may be the only one who experiences this, but from my perspective, you have parental guilt, right? Like I think to myself, I'm the reason my son has epilepsy. Like there's something wrong with the genes I pass down, right? And I start, it's, it sounds weird, but these are the thoughts that, that I have going through my head. So I'm going through all of this as, um, as sort of a depression. I start keto. I start feeling tremendously better. But the thing that my son noticed is I just started dropping weight. Like at the time, I was close to 270. Um, and, you know, I'm 6'2", but 270 still, that's that's um, that's robust for, for someone my size. Um, and uh, the thing is, this is also at a time, oh, let me, one thing I forgot. This is also at a time where I had challenged myself to run three miles every day. Not, not five days a week. I mean, every single day, Sunday through Sunday. Uh, for an entire year, I wanted to do, uh, I wanted to average three miles a day for an entire year. Um, and I was doing that and I did that for about four months before I got sick and had to, had to stop. Uh, so that's a lesson there, like listen to your body. Right. Mm -hmm. But I was, as I was running, I was actually gaining weight. You know, I was getting fatter even though I was running way more than I ever had before. What did your diet look like at this time? Oh, it was a standard diet. I mean, it's just, it was just, I'm a sugar addict, you know, like I, 
I would run and I would come home and I would eat like a box of little Debbie's, you know, or, or whatever. And it never occurred to me because again, you know, it goes back to that when you think that calories are the thing and you're told that running is great for burning calories, you look for any excuse to indulge, right? Like I get home, like I clearly burned like 7,000 calories on that run just now. So <laughs> I can down this box and still be okay. You know, um, <clears throat> and basically like everything I ate at the time, at that time was was sugar, like loved ketchup because it was laced with sugar. You know, um, all of my desserts and every just all sugar. Like I loved Chinese food at the time because their sauces were sweet. Mm-hmm. You know, just everything was sugar based. And um, so, so the, the reason I talk about the running thing is because I found out later that that sort of thing actually leads to a depressed state because of the when you exercise in, in that way you are releasing cortisol. I mean, it is a stressful activity. And when that is sustained over a period of time and you do nothing to alleviate that, which I wasn't, it leads to a depressed state. So all of these things sort of snowballed together um, into, you know, this this like perfect storm of me being uh, in this severe depression. Uh, so <clears throat> I I started keto. I started feeling better. And then I started losing weight. And that's what my son noticed. Um and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do it to lose weight. I wasn't, I didn't care about losing weight. I've, I've never really, that's never been a motivation for me. Um, yeah, nobody likes not being able to tie your shoes, but that wasn't really the motivation for me. Um, so I started dropping weight and I started feeling, you know, a whole lot better. And my son noticed and said, yeah, I think I want to try this. But he wasn't trying it because of his epilepsy. He was trying it because he wanted to lose weight too. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I, but I didn't care. Uh, so okay cool so we start him on it and then my wife started noticing him starting to feel better starting to lose weight and she she noticed that i i lost a lot of weight so she started it um so basically the, the family except for my daughter um who is the the one last holdout and she's you know she's planted her flag and she she will not budge um so we all started doing it and so my son after he started keto went two years seizure free and, um, he had, there were three minor seizures that took place in the fall of 2016. And I think the, the major reason was, uh, that he was no longer a 13 year old for his medication dosages. So he hadn't been at, he hadn't been back to the doctor since we started him on keto. So it had been a couple of years. And so he'd gotten older and he'd gotten, um, bigger, you know, just he, he grew. So I think they needed to adjust his medication as well as, um, you know, compensating for the fact that he was, he was, he was basically a grown man at that point. Mm-hmm. So, um, once they adjusted his meds, which again, even without keto, his meds, the best case scenario was once every three months he was having a seizure with keto and his meds. He went two years. We've adjusted his meds. It's been almost two years again. Right. And he's, he's still keto. Um, so I am hard pressed to say that it's medication only, right? That there's, there's at the very least there's a combination. So as all of this is going on, I start realizing that I feel great and you know, I'm doing more and more research cause I'm just so, and you and I have talked sort of about this and I know Danny's certainly talked about this with you. Like my mindset, my mentality is always like counterculture focused. Like I'm always looking for the thing that the mainstream isn't paying attention to or the mainstream is ignoring. 
Um, and the reason for that is there's a lot of truth in things that the mainstream doesn't pay attention to because assumptions are made in the mainstream. And a lot of times the, the counterpoints, the counterculture type things, they don't make those assumptions or they question those assumptions and they find uh, answers or they, they search for answers outside of that. So I was just really drawn to this whole idea of what if everything we knew was wrong? You know, what if everything we've been talking about with nutrition is wrong? It's not about calories. You know, it's not about making sure you have healthy grains. What if it's all about getting rid of one particular aspect or limiting one particular aspect and then uh, that being carbs and then uh, maximizing the, you know, the protein and the fat? What if it's about that? So I was just intrigued, you know, so I kept doing more and more research about it and I, I, my personality is such that if I learn something, I will like get real uncomfortable unless I can start teaching someone about it. And like I was getting more and more antsy. And so I decided, all right, I'd start a blog. So I started ketoevangelist.com. And uh, can I say that? Is that cool? Um, yeah, man. Plug it away. <laughs> so I started that website. And basically, I decided I was going to write an article a day just about keto, either either about the nutrition, about the history, about uh, my experiences, mindset, you know, whatever. And I was doing that for a while and it dawned on me one day that not everyone has the opportunity to read everything. Like if you're doing dishes, you can't read or if you're driving, you can't read or if you're out for a run or you're at the gym, you can't read. So I thought, all right, well, then the other way that I can start giving this information is through a podcast. So after a, a few, maybe it was a year after I started my the website, I started the Keto Evangelist podcast um, and that's, that's grown pretty significantly. Um, and then I kept seeing these questions that kept popping up where people were like, they were keto and they would say, you know, I've been keto for nine months or I've been keto for eight months or whatever it is. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I want to go to the gym. What do you recommend for workouts? So it dawned on me that there's this, there's this trend line, you know, people, they start keto for whatever reason they start feeling better, they start having more energy, and then almost inevitably, and of course there are certain exceptions, but almost inevitably, every single person who gets to that point, they want to start working out. And we're talking about people who have been, like, if if not overweight, obese, you know, their entire lives, or like their entire adult lives, or like a large portion of their adult lives. So they're not familiar with the gym, and they're not familiar with you know, lifting or running or, or any kind of exercise. I mean, they see people do it, but they're intimidated by it or they, you know, they're just not sure it's for them, whatever. So I decided I wanted to, I wanted to help that, that aspect of it too. Cause I've always been into athletics. Um, you, you wouldn't know it by looking at me, but, uh, I have, <clears throat> uh, I, yes, I fully admit I was picked last several times, but that's okay. Um, like I've always loved playing basketball. Like I used to tell people basketball is crack to me. Like I can be, hobbling on crutches but someone says hey man you want to play i'm out there like i will play i will just i will sit in the post and i will distribute the ball i won't have to move but you know i'm still going to be out there and play i just i love sports i love to participate in physical activity i'm a guy that's it's you know whatever so i wanted other people to experience that fun and that joy too so that's when i got the idea to start the ketogenic athlete podcast and and i've told this story before but you know out of the blue danny vega um i think you know him yeah, we're uh, familiar with each other, right? <laughs> in passing, yeah. Right? 
uh, he just sort of emailed. It was it. It was almost providential, and I, I don't. It pro- it probably was, but I don't want to like take the risk of saying it was when it wasn't. You know, but like I, I can't help but think that there was some sort of providence involved in this. Um, so out of the blue, I get this email saying, "Hey, my name's Danny Vega. I'm a power lifter." Uh, just turned keto a little while ago. Love to help if anything, you know, if you need anything. Oh, by the way, I have a master's degree in human performance from the University of Florida. I also went to Columbia, which is an Ivy League school. He didn't say that. I'm adding that. Um, and I was like, holy crap. I was just thinking I needed to get a, a, a co-host for this because um, I do one by myself. And I was thinking, all right, if I want to do another one, I probably want to do a co-host because the same voice mm-hmm. in different, you know, it's just, it just, it adds to the dynamic. Um, it, so, all of that to say that I feel extremely fortunate, like blessed and fortunate that Danny was the guy that sort of reached out to me and like we hit it off. Like, well, I mean, you and Danny hit it off too. I mean, it's, it's hard not to hit it off with Danny. Yeah, Danny's like the biggest teddy bear. I mean, he, just, he yeah. smiles at everything. <laughs> He's the best, right? He is the best. And uh, like he and I hit it off and I was just like, dude, so I, interview, he was, I think he was the first, maybe the second interview that I did on the show and it went great. And afterwards I was like, listen, I'm, I'm, I read your email. That's why I have you on the show. I want a co-host. I want you to consider it, you know, and he was, just, he, he wanted to say yes, but you know, Danny is going to go talk to Mauda, his wife, and he's going to, you know, think about what's, you know, how does this relate to his family life? Cause that's, what's most important to him. And t- I, that only made me respect him even more, you know, like he was willing to, even if he wanted to, his family's more important, you know, that to me meant that if he said yes, it meant something, right? Mm-hmm. He wasn't just saying, eh, all right, I'll do it, you know, whatever. And then at the first sign of difficulty, he'd bail. Um, so so start, I started that with him because I wanted to help people with that sort of second phase thing um, of, uh, of the keto, their ketogenic lifestyle. Like you get to the point where you're healthy and you feel good and you have energy. Now what? Okay, now let's, let's, let's provide as much information about how you can – maximize your performance in the gym or on the road or on the mat or whatever and that's kind of where we came at from that and then i um i'm not even sure if i'm answering your question anymore now i'm just rambling no man i love i love like the <laughs> the the blooming of the business story let's talk about let's right. go into the details man okay uh so at that point i thought all right well everyone keeps talking about food 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 and as you know i am not so i'm a foodie but I can easily get wrapped around food way too much. Like I can invest way too much of my emotions inside of food and I've done it. And that's one of the reasons I got so fat and sick. Um, so one of the things that I do now is I have a very, very minimal menu. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons I don't really, I don't really take f- pictures of my food. Although Danny's convincing me, uh, inadvertently, he's convincing me to, to reconsider that. Cause you look at his Instagram post and it's just, <laughs> it's, it's plates of meat. That's all it is. And he's yeah. unapologetic. And I'm like, okay, so people are loving it. Okay, that that makes like okay, then it makes sense to me. Like cuz I was thinking, well first of all, I think nobody wants to listen to me anyway, you know, ever. So um so posting pictures of my food, I mean like people don't care about that sort of but I listen to the or I watch what they how they interact with Danny about it. I'm like, "All right, maybe they do care." You know, so but anyway, my my menu my is very very minimal. At this point, I'm basically just a red meat eater. Um, I eat hardly any carbs at all, hardly any vegetables at all. It's basically just varieties of cow. Um, I am trying to make it my mission to rid the earth of all the cows as possible, as many cows as possible. <laughs> through consumption. Uh, through consumption, right. Um, yeah, not just, not just like, 
like the aliens do. You know, that's just, that's <laughs> you know, let's, let's make use of it. Um, so, so I thought, okay, well, I would be terrible to do food stuff because it's not, it's not something that I, um, I'm known for. Right. I mean, I can't, don't get me wrong. I can cook. You tell me what kind of meal you want. I can make something. Um, but it's not the thing. So I reached out to Carrie Brown, whom I had interviewed on the Kid Evangelist podcast prior to, and she and I had a great rapport and we got along great. And she's, you know, super chef. Um, and she also knows how to troubleshoot food, which is something that a lot of people who are big in the food area don't spend a lot of time doing, you know, cause they'll make a recipe and it'll come out fine for them, but someone else tries it and they don't do it as well. And they sort of just let it go. Like they don't try to help figure out what went wrong. Right. Which don't get me wrong. That is a lot of work. That's a pain. I mean, it's just like troubleshooting anything else. You know, I come from an IT background. When when someone's saying, hey, this computer's not working, now we're starting with a million things that could possibly be the problem, right? So troubleshooting is always hard. But Carrie's uh, an expert at it because she, she knows a lot of the science behind food and, you know, the preparation of food. So I reached out to her and said, hey, do you want to start a food podcast, you know, Kid Evangelist Kitchen podcast? And she thought about it for a little while and said, yeah, sure, let's do it. And it started off, it, started, it was supposed to be like a 15-minute segment at the end of my 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 main podcast, the Kid Evangelist podcast. Um, <clears throat> I don't think we ever had a show that lasted lo- shorter than 45 minutes. Um, and so basically it was starting to make each one of the episodes two hours long. So I was like, you know what, we might as well just split it off. We're already doing it anyway. So um so that's when the, the Key Evangelist Kitchen podcast started um, as a way to talk about food and, and food things and kitchen stuff. Um, so now I've got those three that I do um, every week and or almost every week. Sometimes sometimes schedules don't allow for me to actually be able to get one. Have you missed an episode? I don't think you have. Have you? No, no. I mean, y'all, y'all are, I don't know how you're doing it all, but you're, you're putting it all out there consistently. Well, no, no. I mean, I was so like I've missed a few. Like I've missed like the athlete podcast has missed a couple of weeks. The Kid Evangelist podcast has missed a couple of weeks. The Kitchen podcast has missed a couple of weeks. So I, I'm just. Have you ever missed a week? Because I don't think you have. Like you, you've been pretty. You've uh, been able to since, every week, right? Like when I first started, I was I was sporadic, and then I went to a weekly podcast. I didn't miss a week, and then I was like running low on my interviews, so I just yeah. blasted out a bunch of people, and then I had a huge backlog. So I'm like, okay, let's just do two a week, and I haven't missed any since I started doing that. Okay. Yeah. So you know what I'm saying, right? Like it's, um, when you do stuff like that, you know, it, it can be good or it can be, it can be bad. Oh yeah, right? for sure. Um, but you, but the thing is like, uh, it, it's, it's so easy to be down on yourself for stuff like that. Like, and I, I'm just, I'm sort of digressing at this point, uh, but I can't help but talk about mindset stuff anyway. Um, like, yeah, I've missed a week, but that's okay. You know, it's, it's not like, it's not like someone's going to die if I don't publish a podcast, you know, this particular week. Um, so it's it's been it's been tremendous amounts of fun. That's how I got started was through my son and just kind of building it out um, as much as I possibly can. I mean, my mission is to basically make it impossible for anyone to not be keto, right? So I will give you every single resource possible. Um, the problem with that is uh, a lot of times. I may, I, you know, I've, so I have a, a ton of content on all three sites that I that I've uh, all three of my main primary sites, and people still say, "Can you show? You know, can you tell me where this is, 
or can you get me this information? And it doesn't matter how much I, I'm sure you know this. Like you've you've produced podcasts and you've written articles and you do a you do a very consistent regular like Sunday email out to everyone on your list with details, lots of information. And I promise you people are still emailing you with questions about stuff that you've already answered, right? Oh, absolutely. Right. And it's just, it's really, really frustrating because you like, well, I can, I'm not going to speak for you because you're a nice guy. I'm not. So my, <laughs> my first response is always like <clears throat> either Google or search the site. Like guys, there's a, is at the time it took for you to write this email to me, you could have gone to the website, done a search for the, for that keyword and found the information, right? Like don't, this is a mindset thing, right? Don't rely on everyone else doing your work for you. And, and so I'm coming at this from none of this stuff was out there when I started. Like I had to learn all of it mm-hmm. all by myself. And I had to do it the old fashioned way with books because the, the proliferation of, of keto information on websites now has, I don't know, it's, it has just exploded over the past few years, which is great for the most part. Over the past six months, it's seen like a crazy growth oh, yeah. rate. Yeah, it's it's just it's going to get even bigger too. But you know, at the when I started, I had to I had to go find books. Like it wasn't even it wasn't even you could you know because at the time when you searched for ketogenic, it, you were going to get cookbooks. You weren't going to get informational books. Mm-hmm. You know, so I had to find books and I had to talk to people like, what's a good book? And then I would have to read them and I would have to highlight them and I would have to, you know, follow the research manually. And it just, it was a pain, but you learn a lot, right? And so that's how, that's my mindset always. So when someone says, can you do this work for me? I always want to say, I don't want to do that because it's going to hurt you in the long run, right? I completely agree. Yeah. So... I raised my kids the same way. Anytime after a certain age, they would say, what's this information? I would say, you know how to look that up. So go look it up and ask me if it's correct if you want, but I'm not going to tell you when you can take it on yourself. Um, and that's that's kind of the way I approach things. It's not because, I'm, I mean, yes, I'm a terrible person, but that's not the primary reason why. It's because if you learn how to be self-reliant, you won't have to rely on anyone else. And you can, you know, you will all... It's it's also a, a confidence thing, right? If I know I can find whatever information I need, or I know I'm I'm skilled enough to at least search for the information, I don't have to rely on anyone else, and I can start to formulate my own opinions about things, and I don't have to wait for someone else to tell me what to think, sort of thing. Yeah, and that, and that carries over into you know everything, not just you know the ketogenic diet specifically, but like the training aspect. I mean, the the business aspect, like how how we even started a podcast in the first place, you know? No, right. It, it again, it, you know, it's a it is a human condition mindset thing. Um, so you and I have talked before. Like one of the things we love is is allowing someone to be unleashed, right? I don't know a better way to say it, you know, but helping someone realize their badassery, mm-hmm. you know, and and then just sort of opening the gates and letting them run. You know, there's there's really nothing more satisfying than that because when you see someone realize that they have value and they are important and they are, you know, capable and confident and, you know, they are smart enough, they are good enough, whatever, the the Stuart Smalley thing, but that's their whole world changes, their whole perspective changes. And it's, you can't, you cannot put a price on that in terms of how much benefit that is to someone. Um, you know, just the, the, the confidence that they have, after that, you know, it's, it's almost unshakable. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, completely. 
yeah so it's just those kinds of things really like those motivate me like when someone emails me and they're like here's all the research that i've done and here's the question i have about it those kinds of emails they jazz me up right it's the emails that like i don't know anything about this where do i start like dude you went onto my website and there's a big button that says start here and then you clicked on contact me you spent you sent me an email as a like how many how much easier can i make for you can i make this for you than than to do that so it's it's hard to to um to sort of balance my desire for self-reliance against something like that because i've always been like i said i've always been you know counterculture i've always been don't tell me what to do you know i've always been of that mindset of i don't care what you say i'm going to do what i want if it happens to be what you say great you know good we can be we can agree whatever but it's not because you say to do it it's because it's what i want to do um which gets me into a lot of trouble but it's also you know i'm not going to apologize for it either i've got i've got a bunch of mindset questions for you because i feel like you get a pulse on the market like okay. very few people do um so if you're as you know counterculture as as you are and mainstream and, and keto becomes more and more mainstream like it is I mean, what do you see happening in the future? Like, do you, from a financial perspective, I don't think, you know, you know, big pharma is obviously not going to support keto, but like, what do you see happening and how do you see yourself reacting to it? So that's a, that's a great question. Um, and it's a, it's a tricky one to answer. Um, so, okay. So I am counterculture, but if the mainstream adopts the thing that I'm, that I'm involved in, to me, that's a good thing, right? So if, if 90% or even 80% of the general population decides that keto's for them, I will be so happy. Like, and I, like, I'm not even concerned about the market. I'm just, I just, things will be so much better, you know, just people will be healthier. And that's, you can't, I can't really quantify that very well, but it just, that's the goal. Right? That's the reason I'm doing all of this is to try to educate people and convince them that this is the right thing to do. Now, from a business perspective, that just means there's more people looking to, to get help or to 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 um, to get information or to find things that make it easier for them. You know, those kinds. So I mean, that that's just opportunity, right? So when th- when something like that is counterculture becomes mainstream that's that's opportunity let me let me give you an example right like totally out of the blue uh, and i'm just thinking of this right now um in the 1970s skateboarding was a really really small niche kind of thing and it was totally counterculture right have you ever seen the 1970s skateboards yeah little those, little, those little narrow looking skateboards and the wheels are sticking out to the sides like it was just it, it was terrible like in their plastic um so skateboarding becomes a thing well more and more of this counterculture starts to grow and it becomes more of a mainstream thing whereas now if you go like you live in arkansas right Mm -hmm. in in arkansas which culturally is probably the farthest thing from southern california that you possibly get to maybe maybe rural texas is close right but you're really those are two very different worlds but even in in arkansas you're going to find kids who are out there skateboarding now. Mm-hmm. It's it just, it's just the way it is. And so from the seventies on to now, it's been 40, 50 years, whatever it is. 
there was a slow progression of of more acceptance into the mainstream. Now, if you talk about skateboarding, you're going to have people who are like, yeah, 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 yeah. They they love it. They watch it. They've done it. Whatever. Well, that was an expansion of the market, right? From a from a purely economics or business perspective, that was an expansion of the market. So what you had was hundreds of skateboard manufacturers come in, hundreds of skateboard accessories and t-shirts and and other apparel and um other things like filling in all these little niche needs inside the market and they're all making uh, a living doing it uh, you know this thing that they love so to me that's the model like if the mainstream accepts it that just means that there's way more ability for someone like myself and someone like you to be able to make a living helping people that way right like you talked about big pharma there's nothing for big pharma to do you can't make a keto pill like you can't make a pill that is going to benefit someone the way eating keto is going to benefit them. You know, mm-hmm. it's just happened. Um, so uh, to me, I, I would, I would love it both from a, from a, you know, a mission standpoint, but from a, a market standpoint too, if that makes sense, I don't know if I'm even. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Like I feel like, you know, having, it's just the difference between like a scarcity mindset versus an abundance mindset. And I feel like you and I both are on the same page with regard to, you know, if the market improves and adopts it, then it's only going to be beneficial to us that are trying to do what's right by the market. Right. And so the other thing is too, like, like you and I are doing this when the market is really small, right? I mean, it's, it's, um, it is growing, but it's still significantly small. Right. Um, and when people start to understand at that point, you know, at this point, like, you start to develop a trust. Like people trust you. The people trust Keto Savage. They trust Robert Sykes because you are genuine and you are honest and you do tell the truth, right? So when there's more and more and more people in inside the niche, um, that trust translates to more people saying, "No, you want to talk to Robert or you want to talk to Keto Savage or whatever." So it it's it's all it's like this snowball of success. Or, you know, you can't. You, Doing right, being authentic is just – first of all, it's just the right thing to do. It's the good thing to do, but it pays off. And I, I don't mean to sound like that, but it just – it pays off because you did it, mm-hmm. right? You know, and not 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 because that was your intent, but just because he, that's just the way it works. Like when you're honest about stuff and people realize that honesty and that, that authenticity – they're going to come to you and they're going to send their friends to you and they're going to use you as a resource. And that at some point in time, you're at a point where you can actually spend all of your energies doing this. Um, you know, something that I'm finding out <laughs> now uh, that is uh, way harder <laughs> than than being uh, a part timer. You know, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, you quit your job this past week, right? It was the first of February, so it's been about it's almost three weeks now. What kind of mentality shift has occurred in that time span? You having that you know job outside of this industry, this niche, and now you're going into it full force. Uh, so I'm kind of still in the middle of it, and it's it is interesting for me um, because I've gone, I've I've been I've been employed by someone essentially since. Um, for about 20 years, for a little over 20 years. And, um, so from my perspective, I always, I've always worked for someone else. 
And I've always wanted to not work for someone else. I've always wanted to work for myself, but I've never been in a position to be able to do anything about it. Um, and part of that is self-sabotage and part of that is um, market timing, right, for various reasons. And um, so I was faced with a situation in my day job, in my previous day job, where I was either going to get promoted or I was going to get let go, uh, which sounds weird, but that's just the nature because I was I was a I was a. I was a federal contractor, so I was an employee of a company who contracted out my services to the government. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, I was a prostitute, basically. Uh, <laughs> um, so, it was at a situation where the contract that we were on, so I was the program manager on the, for the contract we were on, uh, which means I had 30 people working for me, and the contract that we were on was coming under uh, possible loss. Uh, we were, we, we were on a team. We weren't the, we weren't the, the, the company that won the contract. We were just on the team of the company that won the contract. And they were doing some things that were, that were making it, uh, harder for them to keep the contract. So we were at a position where in order for them to keep the contract, they had to really lower the, the price, which means that people like me who are working on the contract would have to take a huge, huge pay cut, like 50% mm -hmm. of what, current salary was. So it was a situation where I couldn't work for 50% of what I was making. And that means I would have to find a job. So I would either have to find a job, which I didn't have time for. And I couldn't guarantee that I could find a job that would allow me to work from home on the same schedule that I'm currently working, which I've basically built my entire business around. Um, so that was a not, not a good situation. The other option was they were going to promote me, which means I would be working out of the Washington, D.C. office. I'd be working from home, which is great, but I would have to travel. And I wouldn't know what the travel schedule would be like. It wouldn't be fixed. So you know, I could be gone three weeks out of the month or I could be gone one day out of the month and I wouldn't know. And it would be hard for me to be able to get things done that way. So that was just a too, too high a level of uncertainty. So I decided, uh, you know, again, Providence, I... I, I wanted to quit the 31st of December. So I figured, you know, I'm ping, everything seems to be pointing to you should quit now. So I decided the 31st of January would be a better one. Um, so going from that, um, I'm now in a mindset where, okay, I don't, I don't have to wait for someone else to tell me to do stuff. Like I'm not working for someone else. Everything that gets, that gets done, I have to do it. I have to decide to get it done or I have to tell people that it needs to be done. Like I, it's, it's on my shoulders now, which is what I've been wanting. But there's still a period of transition because you're coming from being trained basically to do what you're told as an employee to no one's telling you what to do anymore. So you got to be on the ball. Mm -hmm. so, so that mindset shift is still going on. Um, and I'm realizing a couple of things that um, – that there is such a thing as as self-imposed busy work and you really have to assess like the stuff that you're doing right now is that in fact something that is helping or is this just you procrastinating or is this you you know just trying to find something to do because you don't want to do the thing you're supposed to be doing or are you just convinced you're supposed to be working so you're just doing something right now as opposed to I'm I'm caught up so I can actually relax for the rest of the day you know, so it sounds weird to say that, but any entrepreneur will tell you there are days where you are caught up. You know, it doesn't happen very frequently, but you, if you fill that time with busy work, you're not actually benefiting anyone. 
you know, so it's all of those kinds of things that like trying to make sure that I'm actually focused on doing, doing the important things, doing the things that matter and then allowing myself to enjoy what I'm doing right now, you know, cause it can, it's easy to get resentful. I, I mean, so I can talk to you about this cause you, you work full time for yourself, right? Mm-hmm. I so, didn't know. I didn't used to. <laughs> right, right. But so you, you know what I'm saying? Like there's a situation like when you go and you're, you're hitting it full time, like there's a, there's a, there are mornings where you wake up and you're just like, okay, you know what? If I don't want to do something right now, I don't have to. Like, there's no deadline. It's or it's self-imposed, and I'm okay. Like, I can do that. Um, I can focus on this other thing if I want to. And and learning that has been it's been hard for me, you know, because I've always been like, okay, here are the things that I need to get done. Da, 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 done. Next things that need to get done. Da, da, da. And now it's a situation where I'm actually trying to allow myself to be like how about enjoy life, right? Um, not that I don't care about building the business, but there's, there's got to be more, uh, to it than just working all the time. Cause I'm up at, uh, you know, I'm up at four. I don't go to bed until 10 or 11, you know, and it's just like solid work all day long. And this is how it's been for the past couple of years, you know, working a full-time job plus doing all of this on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I, I have to allow myself the ability to say, okay, um, I want to own my time. So I was talking, so I was getting a tattoo done recently and I was talking to the guy who was doing the tattoo and, um, we were talking about, you know, job stuff. I, I don't know. It just seems to always come up. Um, and I made the comment, I had, a, I had an epiphany as I was talking to him, like you can chase money or you can chase time as your objective whenever you're doing something. If you chase money, you are not in control of your time. Because money's the thing and all of your time will be taken up by the pursuit of money. If you chase time, you can do whatever you want. And if you choose to chase money or to, to, to make money, you can then spend your time doing that. But if you decide, okay, I've done that. I'm good. I want to go back to doing this other thing. You are now in control of your time. To me, that is far more wealthy than all of the money in the world. I would rather be able to live off of $30,000 a year, but be in 100% control of my schedule and do whatever I want, whenever I want, than, it, than I would you know, trying to make $10 million a year, but I'm working 20 to 22 hours a day. I completely yeah. agree. It's all, it's all relative. You know, like what, um, you know, you could have all the money in the world, and this is like said so many times, it's become, you know, cliche, but like you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have the time to enjoy it, then what difference does it make in the first place, you know? Exactly. Um, there's a Dolly Parton quote, something like, uh, we're so busy making a, making a living, we forget to make a life. You know, yeah. it's, it's the same kind of idea. Like I'm much more interested in, so for me, it's not, of course, obviously there's the reality of I, now I have three, I have, um, four employees and I'm responsible for paying them every month. And I've got, um, 12 contractors who work for me and I'm responsible for paying them every month. And, you know, I've got financial responsibilities and I've got bills and just all of these things. So, yeah, of course, I've got to make some money. Yes. But if I am. If I grow just as resentful at the job, at the at the company that I'm building, because it's now a job mm-hmm. as I was at my day job, then I have failed. You, yeah. you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I didn't I didn't realize that you were pretty much put in the position of you know, be promoted or, or be fired. I didn't, I didn't realize that, which is cool that that's the case. Cause that's, that's the exact same position I was in with the railroad. And okay, the fact that you, 
just jumped into this. I don't know, like, when I quit the railroad, I didn't really have Keto Savage at that point, so I was kind of like an oh shit moment. But you start to see opportunities that you wouldn't see if you had the safety net of a job. And I can respect that 100%. Yeah, I was talking to a... Um to a um a friend of mine who is a he's he runs his own supplement company and he was um telling me you know i was texting him and i was like hey yep quit my job doing this full time because he knows that i do keto and he's very supportive and he's like that is so awesome you're gonna love it you're never gonna want to work for anyone else you know and he's and one of the things he said is you'll be surprised at all of the ways that will start to show up that you can start making money like before you didn't have those you like you didn't have the the you thought you had the entrepreneur like glasses on Mm -hmm. but but now you will and you'll see like you're talking about opportunities right like so this the the way i explain it to people is um have you ever wanted have you ever like like i really want this kind of car right like you you decide okay i want i really like for, I'm just so a Dodge Challenger. Like, like I love the way the Dodge Challenger looks. So I really want a Dodge Challenger. So every time I watch television, movies, or go out in public, I see Dodge Challengers everywhere. Mm-hmm. So that's the same thing. I've I've told my brain this is what I want. So my brain is now perceptive to that, and my brain is now seeing it everywhere. And, and that works with entrepreneurial stuff as well. You know, um, when you tell your brain like. I want to be able to be be financially set. Your brain's going to be seeing opportunities. He's going to be making connections that you wouldn't make before. Like you're talking about when you quit, you didn't have really a backup plan, but all of a sudden things started popping up in your head, you know, that you were seeing as okay, I could do this and I could do this and I could do this and uh, okay, what about this? And now things start to fall into place and it's almost again, like I say, it's almost providential, right? And you can't help but but be that way. And when you start to experience that, you don't ever want to be anything else, you know? Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't imagine going back to working for another person. I mean, there's, there's such a – it's kind of funny because, like, you know, I was, I was making good money with the railroad and everything, but there, there's a cap to that. You know, and I look at the people that were on the very top, uh, you know, rung of the ladder, and they were unhappy at the highest pay grade. And it's just like they didn't have any sense of fulfillment, whereas now I could be making significantly less than that but just have such a greater sense of fulfillment and I make and I call all my own shots, which right. is liberating in itself, you know, and, and same for you. Um, so it's, I don't know, like it's, it's not for everybody. You know, some people want the certainty that, that comes with, you know, working for somebody else, which I totally respect as well. But at well, the same here's, time, the problem. here's my problem with that. Uh, I agree that people want, they, I agree that people think they want that, but here's my problem with it. It is a false dichotomy. Because there is no certainty. Yeah. Right. I mean, think about it. Think about how many people who have been employed for X number of years out of the blue on a Friday get a peak slip. Yeah, it's funny you say I completely agree because like people like my parents, for instance, they're they're always, you know, you know, they're they're concerned with the fact that I don't have that company job anymore with like a, a guaranteed retirement and pension, which yada, yada, yada. But I feel I'm more secure now building my own brand, my own identity, and my own influence than if I worked for any company because I'm invaluable to my own company. Right. And that again, that that's exactly the point, right? That you have way more certainty, and this is going to sound weird to people, but you have way more certainty when you're in control than you do 
when someone else is in charge because you can get fired for any reason. Like I work in Texas, like I, or I live in Texas, so I worked in Texas. Um, we're a right to work state, so an employer can fire can fire an employee for any reason at all. They don't need a reason. Right? They can just say, eh, "I don't want you working for me anymore." Done. Right? That's just the way it goes. Um, so how is that certainty? Like you don't know from day to day whether or not you're actually going to have a job. Um, then not only that, but you have no guarantee that the salary you're making is going to stay that way. Right? Like I was told I had to take a huge salary cut. That was going to be a big, big problem. Um, not because I live large, but because I do have bills, right? And those right. have to be big. But working for someone else does not make anything more certain. Working for yourself is actually way more certain if, and this is where the, the, like the delineation that you're making, which I appreciate, if you have the right mindset, you know, but it comes down to how confident are you in your ability? How much do you want it? Right. I mean, there's a reason why small businesses close, you know, the majority of small businesses close, you know, within two to three years. And it's not because the market won't support them. It's generally because the people who do them either didn't realize how hard it was or they didn't, they didn't have the confidence and the drive to work through the hard stuff. And the hard stuff is the stuff. That's the one thing I keep telling people about the, you know, starting a business is you never realize nothing's easy. Everything is hard. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so difficult in the beginning especially. Um, there's a book uh, by Phil Knight. He's the guy who started fa- – uh, he founded Nike. Um, it's called Shoe Dog. Mm-hmm. And it is a fantastic memoir about his his starting the business starting the company and i i read that and i it it allowed me to take a lot of uh i took heart like it it made me feel so much better about the difficulties that i've I've, i'm having to go through starting the stuff that i'm doing just because listening to him tell about you know he had to deal with Oh, like he had to fly to Asia multiple times and he had, he, he had people poaching his, his distributions and just all, everything that could go wrong. And I was thinking to myself, would I have folded, you know, would I have quit? Cause look, I'll be honest. There are moments where things are really, really hard and I'm like, ugh, I could just, you know, I could just stop. Can't now. But it, you know, when I had a day job and I had this, I had this like parachute that I could, I could just, you know, pull on, I could just be like, ah, I'll just quit. You know, it's crazy. Like, you know, you don't even know what you don't know when you first start. So, like, if I was to write down on a piece of paper every single, you know, detailed step of what I've done to get to where I am now, or if you were to do the same thing with Keto Evangelist and you were to hand that piece of paper to somebody and said, okay, do all of these things and you'll be set, like, they would look at that sheet of paper and they would just walk the other way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's probably why there aren't any. And that, it's funny that you mentioned that because. I have talked numerous times like to Robin Switzer, who's my director of ops. Um, I've said that very thing multiple times. Um, and I've like starting out early on, that's all I wanted. I just wanted a sheet of paper that says, okay, this is where you are. Here's the next three things you need to do. And I was like, I will follow it to a T. You know, I can totally take orders. Like I'm good with that, but it doesn't exist. And I think you're right. That's probably why, because it would be hugely intimidating because, you know, figuring out, okay, these are the things I need to do. Look, you know, and and you can vouch for this, I'm sure. Looking at it from this side of it, of the things that I've had to do, it's not that bad. But 
staring at it from the other side when I haven't when I haven't started working on it, yeah, it's totally intimidating. Or being in the middle of it when you're like, oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? That's really tough. But looking at it from the perspective of, all right, I did this and now I can do it multiple times, it's not so bad. Right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's all it's all perspective based. You know, like there were definitely times where, like before Keto Savage took off when I was still working, you know, three or four other side jobs and I was scrambling to pay bills. And I'm like, like when I first started YouTube, for instance, you know, I would spend three hours learning how to edit the video, which would take another two hours. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't getting, you know, any views. And I'm like, this is a total unproductive use of my time right now. Yeah. yeah. But uh, like, that's everything. Yeah. And so, the, so that goes back to what we were talking about earlier with different kinds of mindsets, right? Like there are two kinds of people. There are the people who are like, okay, I don't know how to do this. And I'm going to learn how to do it because I need to know how to do this. Maybe I don't need to know it right now or maybe it's not the most efficient use of my time right now. But in the future, like right now, it doesn't take you any time to edit stuff, right? Like you've learned Mm -hmm. and you know. And it's like ingrained. And not only that, but this is super key. If at some point in time you wanted to hire someone else or you wanted to to, um, hand that off to someone, you could tell them exactly what needed to be done. Exactly. Right? And, and think you, like you, I know how to like, do anything and like like you're saying, I mean you with Keto Evangelist, like anybody you hire on, you know enough about what they would be doing to be able to like step in and, and you know, give guidance or, you know, be open to what they might suggest because you have enough familiarity with that thing. Right. I, I've never brought someone on and I had to say, Yeah, I'm not really sure how we do this. You know, but this you know, let me know what you think. It's always here's how I've been doing it. There's not a single job at all that I haven't done that I'm that I have someone else doing and that's by design like I'm not going to have someone do so there are things that I only do for a very short period of time because I hate it but I'll do it because I want to make sure that I can speak the language and I can explain to them what's going on now my frustration is when I have to do it multiple times when I have to explain it to them multiple times that, yeah. <laughs> that bugs me but that's because I'm a terrible person so that uh, you know you take that as it is. No, definitely not a terrible person, Brian. Definitely not a terrible person. Um, I'm curious, like, I'm, I'm a big fan of Gary Vaynerchuk. One of the things he talks about is, you know, living business in, like, the, the clouds and the dirt. And I kind of, a lot of my motivation behind doing what I'm doing is, you know, spurred by his thought process and just kind of, like, seeing how he does things. Um, mm-hmm. So what, what do you see from, like, the clouds perspective for, like, Keto Evangelist? Like, what do you, you know, blue sky thinking like if you could just – if nothing was a barrier, like what do you get excited about thinking? Okay. So um, uh, this is – this could be a very involved answer, so I apologize. But um, I have – my intent is to make sure I provide as much information to everyone as possible and to, to, to put hooks into every single aspect of lifestyle so that we can make it – possible for everyone to be keto all the time um because i think it's it's important that people be healthy um socially communally and individually um so for example we're talking just blue sky thinking you know all things being equal um i would be running a hundred million dollar a year company with you know 10 business lines that are focused on selling services and products um in different ways you know i i i'm starting um, different different lines of business inside of Keto Evangelist to do various aspects. I'm learning what I'm learning that there are, my ideas aren't 
working in some of those areas and I'm learning that there are some other areas that have not been tapped into, you know, just depending. Um, and so if that's what I had, that's if, if someone was, were to ask, you know, what is it that you want, which you just did, that's what I would want. Like I, I want, I want to have a company that is going to be able to send my grandkids, grandkids to college mm-hmm. and along the way help 300 million people, you know, or more. Um, so that, that sort of translates into having a variety of business lines, maximizing the reach, make, you know, maximizing the market, you know, from a purely business perspective. Um, and there's a lot of work obviously to do to get there. Um, but it's just, the idea is exciting to me to be able to at least challenge myself. Cause even if I fail, right, even if I fail and I don't make it there, I've still gone way farther than, than doing nothing. You know what I mean? So, um, so that's, that's my goal. And being able to have, being able to have products and services that are beneficial to someone is also the other thing. Like I've, one of the things, one of my core tenets is I've never chased a buck, right? I've never, I've never intentionally gone after something just because it was going to make me a quick buck because I'm not going to damage my reputation. I'm not going to damage my brand just in order to make a short term dollar. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't mean that I haven't made mistakes, right? I mean, I've, I've tried things and, but whenever I've tried something that, that didn't work, it wasn't because I was trying to chase a buck. It was just because I was experimenting with something, right? Yeah. I think, I think but, honest mistakes are easily forgiven, you know? Well, yeah, from, and I was going to say from, from the outsider's perspective, from someone who's not inside my head, you know, from, from the market perspective, they may not see the difference. You know, they may see, oh, you said you never do this, but now you're doing this. You're a hypocrite, right? Which I've been called before, you know, and, and that's perfectly okay. That's a perfectly acceptable answer because they don't know what's going on in my head. They don't know the actual reason I'm doing stuff. So from their perspective, that's what they see. That's fair, you know, um, but that doesn't mean I'm going to stop either. I'm going to continue to try experimenting with stuff and see what happens. And, you know, when I hit on something that, that works, I'm going to be, you know, muscling into it as much as possible. Um, the ballistic stuff was, you know, I started that as a really, really small market um, uh, experiment. And the, that, that sort of took off way faster than I was expecting. And I'm having a hard time keeping up with it, honestly. Um, but you know, it's, it's stuff I'd rather have that problem than, you know, okay, now what, you know, it's like this didn't work, this didn't work, this didn't work. Now what? Um, plus it feels good to know that you, you started something, you, you know, you created something that people like mm-hmm. and that there's, there's always a benefit to that. Um, I don't even know if I answered your question. This, this, this podcast, I don't even know what the question of this podcast <laughs> is, but <laughs> I freaking love it because. I don't know, like, when I'm talking to you and I'm talking to other guests, you know, sometimes I even forget I'm recording. I'm just, like, picking your brain and, like, selfishly asking questions that I just want to understand the way you think, you know? No, I'm the same way. I, yeah, totally. Um, So, can I ask you a question then? Is that, or is that against rules? No, all rules are off. (laughs) There's no rules. This is a no rules podcast. Um, So, just out of curiosity, then, um, what would, if I were to ask you the same question, what do you see for Keto Savage? Man, I want to, you know, similar to what you're saying with regard to, you know, having something that's that's huge and, and grows and influences a ton of people and, 
kind of like lets you tap into those different markets. I want to make something similar and have like a like an incubator type approach. Like I I've learned so much in the process, and there's so much I have yet to learn. I think it would be the coolest thing ever, and like very fulfilling if I could form like an incubator style company that allowed you know people wanting to you know pursue a similar industry or get involved you know with keto or health and fitness or nutrition or mindset or any of that stuff or all of that stuff and like you know come on board and I help them grow I learn more through them and then just be kind of like a self-priming you know conglomerate in which you know everybody benefits yeah it's um I'm totally down with that you know like being able to pay it forward or pay it backward or just pay it somehow, you know, to, to other people. Like when I first started, I reached out to, he, he was not, I reached out to a guy who's not necessarily keto, but he was big in the sort of alternative nutrition world. And I reached out to him and I basically just said, uh, you know, I'm starting this thing. Um, and I, I would really like a mentor basically is all I asked. You know, it's all I said. I'd really like a mentor. I think that, um, you know, you and I have a similar, um, mindset, blah, blah, blah. You know, obviously you're much more successful at this. Um, you know, just, I, I'd like to be able to, to be able to learn from you, you know, in some way, in some official way, not just, not just sort of piece together the things that you're doing. And, uh, he didn't reply back for several months. And, um, when he did reply back, he, he basically said, Hey, I appreciate the thought. Um, you know, I, I can't though, cause I don't have time. Uh, but I know because of what you said that you're going to be successful. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's, it's a great, like, that's a super positive way of saying no and yeah. stop, you know, like, don't bother me. Um, <clears throat> but it was, it was at that point, like I was deflated because I really would love to have had a mentor like that. But then I thought, why do I need him? You know, not in a bad way. I was I was legitimately asking myself, okay, so why am I needing him? You know, because it's been several months since I emailed him the first time, and I'm still making progress. Like I'm still moving towards something. So what is it that I need exactly? And it was just a like a self assessment thing. I was like, okay, well I don't. But listening to what you're saying, it would be it would have been so much easier to have someone that you can use as a resource, who's willing to say two things: that's a great idea, and that's a terrible idea. Right. If you've got someone who's willing to say both of those things, that's you. You can't. Again, you can't put a price tag on on that sort of benefit. There's there's been several times throughout my life where I would I would work really hard on something, or I'd like go and try and get as much information on as I could. And my my sticking point would always be if I could just have somebody that's been here before at least look at it for two seconds and say I'm on the right track or I'm totally off base. That would be like the greatest you know sense of ease. I'll just come over me. You know, so something like that would be right, huge. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. And oh man, I can't tell you how many times that I've sat in front of my computer wishing that I could do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, but it occurred to me as I was, you know, going through one of those times that, um, cause I read a lot of business books, right. Mm-hmm. And, um, so when you read a lot of business books, you see, you know, you, you see different perspectives and you see different things. And one of the things that you'll see is that these moguls of business, these these re- really successful business folks, their history is replete with mistakes and wrong choices and things they shouldn't have done and, and regrets that they made, you know, th- things like that. And it occurred to me one day because I was I was, you know, sitting here feeling sorry for myself, thinking the same thing, you know, like, oh, man, if I could only just I this is what I want to do. If I could only just ask 
you know, this omniscient or oracle of some kind that could tell me, yes, this is the right thing. Like I could, okay, good. Yay. Um, if I could do that, that'd be great. But the thing is there isn't one like, so it doesn't matter who you ask. If you ask the most successful person, they could still be wrong. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So like there's so much truth in what you're saying. Um, but at the same time, from my perspective, as the one receiving the 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 opinion, I would still always question it, right? Like that's how terrible I am at at like uh, being the the the, the receiving the, uh, person of, of that sort of thing. Um, but I would totally want to be part of a group that was you know saying, here's what I think, here's why I think it's a good idea, or here's why I think it's a bad idea. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just I just I don't know. I get excited about ideas and growth and like business like i could freak, freaking sit down and talk business with somebody right more and longer and harder than i could you know fitness or training um nutrition so i mean that's like what excites me so like and that kind of leads to you know the whole search for what excites you as opposed to search for happiness because happiness is arbitrary um but like business right. excites me and like wanting to see something grow from the ground up that that gets me fired up so like having like an incubator type uh, conglomerate like that in which you could put different people's perspectives and minds and perceptions together to form something bigger than the whole. I don't know. Like, that's just cool. Well, it's funny that you say that because um, a couple of years ago when I was talking to Robin, um, she had just she had just started with me and we were sort of laying out the vision. I was just kind of explaining to her what I wanted. Um, a long-term vision that I have for Kid Evangelist is to sort of spearhead a um, – either an investment group or a funding group of some kind to go in and people who are like, they've got a great idea, um, <clears throat> a keto idea, you know, they got a great keto idea, get great keto product, whatever, but they need, they need guidance, you know, like a shark tank kind of situation, but not hostile, mm-hmm. you know, um, and be able to financially and, uh, emotionally support these folks and help them build a business and be part of that business being built. You know what I mean? Like that sort of thing super excites me, you know, um, because and I, you've talked about this before too, like th- maximizing your efforts, right? So if you are able to talk to five people who are able to talk to 20 people each or you're able to talk to 10 people who talk to nobody, you want to talk to the smaller group because the the, the tertiary reach is way bigger than the more people that you're talking to directly. Yeah, I agree 100%. So, uh, I think a lot of people, a lot of egos think, no, I'd rather be in front of 10 people. You know, I'd rather have 10 people listening to me. And I, that's that's great, but down the line, you know, what is it that you're trying to do? Because if you, if you want to get as many eyeballs as possible, then you want to talk to as many people who are going to talk to as many people as possible. So... You know, like you've said before, that's the, 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 the reach is, is really what's important. So what, what, uh, what's the motivation behind KetoCon? Let's talk, let's talk about KetoCon. It's going to be a great plug for KetoCon because I, I love <laughs> KetoCon. Um, so what, what kind of spurred that whole thing to come about? Um, I wish I had a way more like sexy story about it. Um, I was sitting in mary roberts living room and the night before i was i was just i was doing some reading about something or other and i just thought why can't we do a conference you know because 
um, I had because uh, there's Paleo FX and there's Comic Con and there's you know all these different com- these conferences, um, and I think my wife uh, was was either had either recently gone to a Comic Con um, or she was going to or whatever, and I was just thinking about that as I was reading through the nutrition stuff, and I was like, why can't we do a conference? And so I was sitting in Mary's living room and we were talking about something and somehow the, the subject came up of conferences and all I said to her, like out of the blue, I didn't even, I didn't think about it ahead of time. I just said, yeah, I'm going to be putting on KetoCon next year or the year, whenever yeah, it was next year. Um, and she was just like, okay, cool, let's do it. And so I'd never put on a conference before and I had to figure out like, I, this is the great thing about being an entrepreneur. Like I had never done that before. So I didn't know what the rules were and I had to learn a lot. I know I, I know way more about putting on conferences now than I ever have. Um, and I can also put on a conference now. So I mean, I've learned, I've learned some skills, right? So, um, and so basically it was just a matter of, okay, what do we want it to be? Um, what's the structure? What's the format? And, you know, I, I talked to Jimmy Moore about it and, um, I said like, Here's the, and he basically said, you know, you got to differentiate because you know keto is going to be huge, and yeah, you you know you've got a great name of KetoCon, but how's it going to be different than any of the other keto conferences that are going to pop up? And that's when I decided, you know, it's going to be about the science and the stories of keto, not just the current research. Because people, again, you know, this comes from this comes from, and again, I think you can attest to this too. This comes from all the emails and the the fo- social media stuff that I get from people who are like, I'm so confused, I'm so confused, I'm so confused. Even though we spell it out as clearly and as cleanly and as crisply as possible, they still don't get it. And they, so they still need another human being to basically walk them through it in some way, like a shaman, right, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, so I was like, okay, if I can get regular folks who are not researchers, but they are implementing keto for health, fitness, um, weight loss, whatever, and regular folks can see how other regular folks are doing it, that's going to be powerful like because stories matter. Like we learn through stories. So I was like the science and stories of keto. And Jimmy said, yep, that's great. Well, let's go with that. So that's kind of how it started. Um, we just started putting together a list of speakers that we thought had compelling stories. Um, who were the, 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 the leading minds in, in the, the research. Um, and of course, you know, as you, as you've noticed, like we're not just interested in anyone doing keto research. We want people who are doing like, off the wall kinds of research or like even more extreme research, you know, like the, the carnivore group, you know, the, the folks that are advocating for strictly meat as their keto, you know, kind of, uh, of uh, menu kind of thing, like the way that I eat, the way Danny eats. Um, so that's taking it to another, like finding that kind of stuff to, to kind of prove to people like, look, seriously, everything that you thought you knew is completely wrong, like in every way possible. So, you know, give this a shot and see how you feel. Um, so yeah, that it started with that. Uh, and Robin Switzer came on board shortly after, uh, full time and basically just put it all together, you know, got a bunch of sponsors, um, did all the legwork, all the logistic work. Um, you know, we had a lot of long days putting everything together and she's the type of person who has to like exhaust the information not before she does anything just just as part of her personality like she needs to know everything 
which again, she was the right person for that job, mm-hmm. you know, because because there's so much detail, so much minutia. And at the time, I was working full time. There's no way I could have done it all that. Yeah, you know, there's no way I could have all done that by myself. So her doing all that and her having that sort of pit bull kind of mentality uh, was just tremendous. I mean, you saw it; you were there. You know, it. it yeah, it, Robin's it, awesome. She's, yeah, she, she, she would not have had that success. Yeah. You know? And and I don't know, man. Like that—that that was the first first KetoCon. It's only going to get bigger and better. But I mean, it was. I mean, it seemed streamlined, to, you know, to the audience, to me as a speaker. Like I, I couldn't have pointed out anything that I would have recommended you do differently. And and I appreciate that, you know. And again, that's that's a testament to Robin and her communication skills with everyone that we were working with. Um, and and it's uh, not to not to. I don't know how to say this without sounding arrogant, but it, you know, that's also because I refused to, to budge on the vision I had, you know, cause like we were talking about before, everything's hard. Like when you're doing so, everything's hard. And so we'd be faced with stuff and vendors would say this, or, you know, we'd be faced with the situation and I'd have to make a decision and it's, and I never want to back down on the vision that I've got because I'm not going to water down what we're doing just because something's hard right now. You know, like we can figure out how to make this happen. And one of the reasons I, I, I love Robin so much is she was a hundred percent in there. Like she was like, no, don't. She was just like, okay, well, this is what you want to do. Let's do it. You know, let's, let's figure it out. And she was never, she took every challenge I threw at her and like nailed it. Like she just nailed it. And, you know, like surrounding yourself with, um, with driven people relentlessly driven people is huge is huge there are, i think there are two main rules when it comes to building something successful never be the smartest person in the room and surround yourself with people who are just relentless and ruthless when it comes to their own personal drive like they're not going to give themselves a break because they want to get this thing done those are my two rules and the first one's really easy for me um the second one's harder because it's hard to find those people but when you do do not let them go yeah i completely agree man it's uh and the whole, you know, adage of, you know, spend your time with the five people or whatever, however that, that saying goes. I mean, it, it's true when you when you start spending time with the people that only push you that much harder to be the, better than you were the day before. Like, the sky, I mean, there there's, all bets are off. Like, there is no cap. There is no limit to what you're able to accomplish. Right. And that's, that's the point, right? Like, you are able to dictate. Like, because I'm a control freak, right? So, being able to decide this is what we're going to do. Like everything that I've done with Kid Evangelist, I've never done before, right? Like, and I look back on some of the things that we've accomplished and I'm just like, wow, like I don't, like I never would have thought that I would have done it, but because I'm like, uh, I didn't have a choice or like, I've got people, like I've got people looking at me who are just like, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Like, let's go. Like, um, have you ever seen like, um, sled dogs? Mm Mm-hmm. So sled dog can be laying down on the ground, right? Like they're just resting, whatever, a whole slew of them. As soon as the, the sled comes out, they lose their mind because they're just like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And that is the kind of thing that you want. Like you can want someone who's able to like take some downtime, but as soon as it's time to work, they are just relentless. They just want to like strap me in. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. That, those are the people you want to surround yourself with. And it doesn't even need to necessarily be about business, I mean, think about it this way from if you're working out regularly, 
you want to be surrounding yourself with the people who are working out who are like, let's go, let's do this, right? Let's, let's get this done. I know this sucks. Embrace it. Let's go. Let's make, you know, you right now are making yourself stronger. You know, those kinds of like, those are the people you want to be around because that's going to challenge you. I was, t- I, so I do jujitsu, right? And, um, I was talking to, I was teaching a class recently and I was talking to some of the guys there, some of the, the lower belts and some of the younger guys. And I was saying, when you're training with your partner, tell them when they make a mistake. You know, you don't have to stop right then and there in the middle of the match or whatever, but tell them when they made a mistake or tell them when what they were doing wasn't working and tell them why it wasn't working or what you felt. And one of the guys was like, um, yeah, but I don't want to lose. And I, and so my response to that was, that is the wrong attitude. Because if you make your partners better, you then have to get better or you will continue to lose. So the, in competition, there's like there's two kinds of mindsets, right? There's this mindset of I just want to win, but there's also this mindset of I want to win against the best. Like I will never know that I'm the best unless I compete against the best and I prove that I'm the best against the best. Yeah, that's that's who you want to be. And I, so when you're talking about um, competition inside your own team, that can be healthy, right? Like so, Robin and I we're not necessarily competing against each other, but we know we're both very driven. So I, if I know that she's working really hard on something, it makes me work even harder on it. Right. And it just, it goes from there. Like we, we sort of, it's not that we're necessarily competing against each other with that. It's just that it uh, allows us to drive each other a little bit, a little bit harder. Um, so it's the same thing when you go to the gym or in your, you're on the road or whatever. If you've got a training partner who is willing and able to challenge you, to push you a little bit, that's a much more valuable training partner than someone who's just going to like, eh, whatever, you know? I completely agree. It's funny how I think the the norm that we see out there these days is people, like complaining is the norm. Like people want to complain, they want to talk about how bad something is so they can relate with it when somebody else is going through a bad time. But I mean, that's like just, that's just bullshit, frankly. I mean, like (laughs) if it's going to suck, it's going to suck. You might as well figure out how to efficiently and effectively get past the suck and on to the next thing. Yeah, and that exactly, right? So like, okay, it sucks. Yeah, so you can either continue to complain about it because we heard you, you know, I know it sucks. I'm doing it too. I know it sucks. Or you can stop complaining and try to make it not suck by working even harder at it so the next time you do it is not as hard, right? Like those are your two choices. Um, I want a training partner who's who just – who's going to look at me and say, how about you shut up and put all that energy that you're putting into how bad this sucks into doing it and doing it better than you did it last time. Like that's the guy or gal that I want working with me, you know, um, just because it's about improvement. You know, I'm, I'm amazed at the, I'm amazed at the level of people, the number of people who say they want to improve their lives, but don't do anything to actually improve their lives. You know, um, it takes effort. And it, it's hard. It's really hard. But if you look toward the difficult things as the opportunities, it changes your perspective. Um, have you ever known, like, so you spent a lot of time in the weight rooms, right? So have you ever met someone who like, um, regardless of why they're doing it, but they, they lift really, really heavy and you know, it's miserable for them, but they never bulk they never miss a day. You know, they never shy away from it. They don't want to do it. I mean, if you if push comes to shove, it really sucks for them. They don't like it at all. But they go and they do it every single time, right? So be that guy. You know, 
and I'm not saying you have to like rip your arms out of the socket. I'm saying challenge yourself all the time. As soon as you get complacent or comfortable, you stop progressing. And that's the worst case scenario as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's there were several times in my life prior to like starting Keto Savage, I was just like filled with regret or I knew that I was not living life to my full potential. I felt like I was holding back. Whereas now, like I would literally be okay if I died today because I know that I'm not holding back anything. And I wouldn't feel regret on my deathbed. Like, I want to live day to day like that. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 some there's a lot of power in that, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of um, autonomy in that. When I know I'm giving it a hundred percent, you know, it didn't. <clears throat> I would rather know that I gave it everything I had and came up short than think that I had more to give. And, you know, I, I, I got a certain level of success because that means I, I undersold myself, you know, um, like Steve Prefontaine, uh, uh, middle distance runner out of Oregon, you know, Olympian, uh, really well known in the running community, uh, just, just an absolute beast. And his whole point was, you may beat me, but I'm going to make you bleed to do it, you know, and that's my attitude you know i i don't look at anything as a competition necessarily but there's no way i'm letting what you're doing diminish the amount of effort i'm going to put into it or you know the the um the awesomeness that i'm going to put into it you know i'm not i'm not going to let the fact that i see you there and i know that you're working on something similar or the same thing or whatever that just means the market's going to have to share us because there's no way I'm backing down from this. You know, you may beat me, but I'm going to make you bleed to do it. You know, that's just, that's just how I am. Um, and again, that comes from confidence, right? And it's not that I'm, it's not that I'm super confident. It's just that I know what I'm capable of now because I've done it. You know, I've been in the middle of it and I have, I've, I've got the scars to prove it and I'm, I'm okay. Like I've gone through some really, difficult stuff and i survived and i'm okay i don't want to do it again but you know i i can deal with it you know adversity builds character i mean that's that's biblical right that's james but and that's just the truth of it yeah and i would rather go through that and come out the other side with the confidence that allows me to move forward than to never have to deal with it i completely agree i mean shoot we have another podcast on you know adversity and stoicism in itself and like just I don't know, everything changes your perspective. Like everything changes your pain and tolerance threshold. So like what you thought was hard before is now just a flash in the pan now. I mean, it just keeps scaling up and up. Right. Yeah, and there's <laughs> the downside of that is the hard stuff is like 10 times harder now. Like cuz yeah. I, I got all the easy stuff taken care of, right? Like it was hard at the time, but now it's like ah, super easy. So all the new stuff is like super super hard, you know? And that's just that that's just life. I'm, you know, you look around at people who build successful businesses or, or, or whatever, and they all had to learn stuff, you know, and they I can promise you they like to a lot of them like to pretend like it was easy or they didn't have difficulty for whatever reason. But I can promise you they went through some stuff, you know, and that's just that's just life. And it, it, there's a reason why everyone's not a business owner. You know, it's it's not hard. I mean, it's not easy. It's hard. You're going to have to uh, you're going to have to take some. You have to take some lumps. That's just the way it is.
what, uh, what, what's your take on retirement? Like, do you plan on retiring from this at any point? Like, is that like a, a finish line? Like, is there such thing as a finish line in your mind? So th- that's an interesting question. And here's why. Um, what do we, ty- what do we typically define as retirement? Like, what does that look like? From my perspective, retirement means I can spend my time however I want, right? Mm-hmm. That's essentially like if you are retired, that means you are financially capable of spending your time wherever, wh- however you want, and that so that's one, that's one of three things. It's either you have way more money than you'll ever spend, you spend way less money than you than you'll ever have, or a combination of the two, right? So. If your situation is such that financially you can spend your time doing whatever you want, then retirement is a misnomer. You know what I mean? Like it, there's no magical age where you stop working because it, so I'm 43, right? Um, retirement age is 65, let's say. So that's 22 years that I've got. At the end of this 22 years that I'm building my own business, if I have to if I'm no longer in control of my time for whatever reason, then retirement means something, but I've also failed. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. If for the, for the next 22 years I am in complete control of my time then I'm essentially already retired, I'm just running a business. You know know what I'm saying? Like, so retirement to me just means I can do whatever I want with my time. And if that's my goal already, I'm already working on retirement. You know, I just, I will choose to spend my time however I want. Exactly. I think, um, I don't know, it's interesting. I I really like to dig into people's mindsets as it relates to, you know, because there's such a difference in the way people think between somebody that owns their own business and is building their own thing versus someone that's working for somebody else. And I find it very hard to relate with the latter. So it's, it's cool for me to be able to talk with you and be able to relate to you doing what you're doing, because there's just another level of connection there that I don't get with a lot of people because it's just a total different mindset. Cause like when I talk to somebody and they're like, I can't wait to, you know, put in the next 25 years at this job. So I have enough saved up in my 401k to be able to retire and go play golf every day. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's just a flawed way of thinking. Yeah, there's a there's a story. Um, I don't remember the exact way it goes, but a, a guy from New York goes on vacation uh, to the Caribbean, and while he's out on the Caribbean, uh, he's out in the Caribbean. He goes on a fishing uh, boat with just you know a local guy who just that's what he does for a living. Is he I takes know the story? <laughs> oh, so you know what I'm talking? About, right? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and say it though. I love it. So, um, so correct me if I'm wrong. So, goes out on a fishing boat and. Um, guy comes back, catches a lot of fish because he was listening to what the local had to say. You know, go here, do this. This is what we catch. So New York guy catches a lot of fish, and they come back on shore, and he says, you know, I bet you could you could catch a whole lot more fish if you have a you know a, a fleet of ships, and and um, so the the guys the the local guy looks at him and says okay so i get a fleet of ships and then what he says well then we would start you know we'd build a factory so you could can it and you could you know export it and then what well then you can come to new york and you could uh create an ipo and you could go public and you could be rich and then you could do you know and then you could be running a a billion dollar company and he said then what well then you could spend your time doing whatever you want and the guy looks at him goes that's what i'm doing now 
Like yeah. I don't have to do all of that. I'm spending my time doing what I want now. So that to me, like the first time I heard that, I was just like, holy crap. Like, cause I was in that mindset of I'm an, I'm an employee, I'm an employee, I'm an employee. But I heard that story the first, the first time and I thought, whoa, that is the truth. Like if I could spend my time running a keto business, doing jujitsu, hanging out with my family and traveling a little bit cause my family likes to travel. My wife likes to travel. If those are the things that I could do with my time and I can do that today, then I am retired. I just happen to be running a company. You know what I mean? Like, d- does that make sense? Like to, to me, Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like I, I have to laugh, not out of disrespect because I, I mean, I love my family and everything, but they don't think that way. So like when they're telling me about what their, their grand vision of, you know, subpar work for the next 20 years so that they can go retire. I mean, like I'm, right. I'm trying to build a life and a business that I don't want to retire from. Right. And so the biggest problem that people have, I think, is from the financial perspective. So and the reason I say that is this. If I'm running a business and I am surviving, I'm I'm making a living and but I'm only paying myself something small. Like let's say I'm only paying myself fifty thousand dollars a year. Right. And for some people that's a lot of money. Um, but you know, for for some people that's like a month's worth of money. Mm-hmm. Uh fifty thousand a year. But it, with that $50,000 a year, I'm able to do those four things that I've talked about. Then I'm rich. You know, like what does more money mean? You know, like it's great if it collects up, you know, in the account. That's fantastic just in case, whatever. But if my life is such that when I wake up in the morning, I'm in complete control of anything I want to do today. I'm not beholden to anyone. I can choose. You know what? Today I want to start. I want to drive to South Dakota. And on the way, I'm just going to keep doing my business as I drive there. And I'm going to take my family with me. And we're just going to have a vacation. And it's just a Wednesday. And I'm just, we're going to leave tomorrow. And then you do. And you spend three weeks in, in South Dakota. And you come back. And you decide that you're going to stay home for a couple of months. And then you go somewhere else. Or you, you, know, you spend the summer at the coast or whatever. You know, like, but how is that not the vision? Like, why do I have to be a certain age to be able to enjoy that? You know, why can't I try to create a life that way now so there's practical aspects you know keep your costs low make sure that you can live inside of that salary range those kinds of things clearly those are reasonable things to 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 uh, deal with but there's there's nothing stopping you if you take those precautions if you if you make sure that you're setting yourself up that way and i it, it does boggle my mind that people think you have to be like oh my 401k doesn't have a million dollars in it yet i can't retire i just don't get that you know um, cause look, let's be honest. If you're 50 years old and your 401k has a million dollars in it and you get hit by a truck, you didn't enjoy a single dollar of that. Yep. I mean, that's just, that's just the truth of it. Why not? Why not enjoy the life you've got? Now, again, I'm not telling everyone to quit their job. Um, you know, do what's right for your family, do what's right for yourself. I'm just saying from my perspective, the question of the question asked of me is, from an entrepreneurial perspective, if I can if I can spend my time doing what I want, that is the perfect job. That is the perfect business. That's the perfect life. I mean, that's there's nothing better than that. I think some people just they they've never had like an outlet of work that they are excited to work on. So work is seen as a negative. I mean, you and I can both attest to the fact that we've worked we're working harder now than we've ever worked before. 
Yeah. But we're both excited to put in that work. And when you're excited to put in the work, you're able to do great work. That's another distinction. When people are, are doing substandard work with stuff they don't enjoy, they're never going to go above and beyond to be the very best they could be at it. And then there's just going to be a diminishing return day in, day out. But if you're putting forth your best effort because you're truly passionate about the work you do, you can become the greatest at something. Right. Um, or at the very least, you can become the best version of you at something. Right. Yeah. Like, And that, I think, is is attainable for everyone but because there's no passion involved like look again i'm not saying look taking care of your family or taking care of yourself is the most important thing right so you know there are people who work mundane jobs they hate it they but they do it look my entire adult life has been built around responsibility i've i've worked jobs that i hated doing stuff i just couldn't like soul crushing stuff like i like i was depressed to go to work every day kind of thing and it was because I had to take care of my family and I don't resent my family for that. It's my responsibility. I'm not going to shirk that responsibility. There's nothing wrong with having those same feelings. But at the same time, if that's how you feel about the job that you've got, can you do something to change that? You know, if nothing else, if nothing else, change your outlook or change your, your, your viewpoint or change your perspective in some way, shape or form. I, I at KetoCon, uh, we uh, I think it was during the fitness panel, right? We had one lady stand up and talk about how she gets no joy whatsoever out of exercise or something like that. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember. And people thought I was attacking her with my response, and I wasn't. I was I was simply saying, like she said, she gets no joy out of anything in life or something like that. And I and I was I said that's you're wrong. You do get joy out of something. I'm like, you're here. You flew here. You're staying away from home to be here. Something about being here is providing you pleasure. You're getting some kind of joy. Like, what is it? And that's the thing. Find the thing that brings you joy, you know, and and start realizing what – and this is the part that, that – this is the thing that people miss, I think, um, is finding the thing that brings you joy is one thing. But you've got to figure out what about it is the thing that brings you joy, right? Like you can't just say like, oh, maybe you can, but you're like, okay, cycling, bicycling, it brings me joy. Okay. And you do it and you're like, I don't, you know, what is it about the bicycling that brings you joy? Is it the fact that you're outside? Because if that's the case, it's not just the bicycling, you know, it's the outside. So now you can think you can do, you can add other things to your life that bring you that same joy but you're not stuck on just this one perspective of bicycling. You know what I mean? So it's not just about finding the thing that makes you that, that brings you joy, brings you, you know, fulfillment, but find out what it is about that thing that makes you have fulfillment. Like for me, it took me a long time to figure out what it was. Um, and the thing that I find the most joy out of is creating stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I love to teach. But the, the reason I love to teach is because it forces me to create stuff in order to teach someone that stuff. And I then – and this is, again, me being arrogant because apparently this is the show for me to be arrogant. You, you brought <laughs> – uh, but like when you teach someone something and you see that they get it and they understand it and they appreciate that you took the time to teach it, you've now created something else. You know what I mean? Like you've created something else in this world that will then go on to to either live that out or help someone else out. You know, right. like it's – it's the creation thing for me that really, really drives me. So that means I've got a lot of opportunities 
to be to be to enjoy the things that I'm doing. And it was one of the reasons I hated my day job because there was no creativity whatsoever. Uh, there's no. Uh, I need to be creatively challenged, and I'm like that ADD kid. You know, like if there was glue around, I would be eating it just because I'm so bored most of the time. Um, so anyway, I, I, I feel like I've not like I haven't answered a single question that you've asked. I just ramble on for like 10 minutes at a time. You know, there was a one of my other podcasts it was like, I think the longest one. Um, there wasn't like any distinct questions and answers at all. It was just <laughs> simple rambling. But it was one of my, most, you know, positively reviewed podcasts. So hopefully the same will be true with this one. <laughs> Doubtful. I think I think there's like a disconnect with people uh, with regard to that people are just waiting for this aha moment or this like sign. Uh, like somebody emailed me the other day saying they haven't seen a sign yet. And one of the grounding factors that I one of the questions I ask myself every single day, or one of the things that I point out to myself every single day, is that I am I've earned whatever I have. Yes. Whether good or bad, I've earned the body that I'm in. I've earned the business success that I've seen. I've earned the money in my account. Anything, whether good or bad, is my fault. And having that kind of 100% ownership towards my life is liberating and scary at the same time. Right, because you now eliminate any chance of of pawning that off on anyone, right? This is one of the reasons that people don't want to take ownership is because of the the likelihood of failure. Because look, nobody wants to fail, but you're going to fail. If you're willing to own it, then the failure doesn't have any power over you, right? Because what I tell people is you either succeed or you learn. Mm-hmm. And that's really, you know, and if you're willing to learn, there is no failure. It's it's just a matter of, you know, going out and trying something. And owning it is tremendously important. And this is one, like I was talking about before about being authentic uh, and having people trust you when you own your mistakes, it's so refreshing to people that, you know, they trust you because they know you're going to admit when you've made a mistake, you know, and when you say, no, I wasn't wrong about this. It's not because you're, you're being difficult. It's because you legitimately were not wrong because you would own up to any mistake you made, mm-hmm. you know, um, th- those kinds of like, those things are important. You know, people, you know, when people are like, how do you sleep at night? you know, this, that, or the other, you can't sleep well if you're not honest with yourself. You can't sleep well if you're not going to be willing to own all of it, you know? And you're right. It takes people, it takes people away from taking that risk. It, like it moves people away from taking that risk because they don't want to take that chance. Um, which is to me, it's, it's a, it's a shame because look, I, I'm again, you know, life is hard, you know, and if, when you do so, when you take a risk, you're taking a risk. I mean, there's a, there's a possibility that's going to fail. Like when I started all this stuff, I tried to do it as smart as, as much of a, a, you know, intelligently designed way as possible so that I could minimize the risk to me and my family, you know, and that means slower growth or that means, you know, less opportunities or that means saying no to things that I otherwise I would love to be able to, but that's, that's the risk you got to take if you're, if you're doing it like I'm trying to do it. Um, so being able to own it, like you're talking about, it does, it, it adds to your confidence, but it also allows you to be consistently honest with yourself. You know, you cannot improve yourself if you're lying to yourself about how awesome you currently are. If you think you're way more awesome than you are, 
or you're not willing to take a step. Like, so as a business owner, I've made mistakes with, with folks who work for me, you know, and I've had to go back to them and I, and, and apologize to them. Mm-hmm. I don't like doing it. Uh, but you know, and it's not that I don't like apologizing. It's like, it's that I don't like making the, the incorrect thing. You know, I don't like making the mistake in the first place. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not the apology that bothers me. It's the fact that I, either didn't think things through correctly or, you know, I, whatever. But, but the point is, as when you're in that situation, the right thing to do is apologize and then, you know, fix it and then move on, you know, move forward. And as when, when you, when you're, when the folks who work for you and around, you know, that you're going to own up to things that you've done that are mistakes, they're way more trusting of you. you Absolutely. Know? And that's just that's just the way it should be, I think. <laughs> I just rambled on again. I just I do it. I can't stop. Hey, I love it, man. I love it. What, what are we gonna What are we gonna title this podcast? Brian Williamson uh, on. <laughs> right. Just won't shut up. Brian, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I have to get creative. No, it's, it's good though, man. It's good. I love it. This is the first time that we've had to be able to just like talk because I mean, like when we first met in person at KetoCon, I mean that was obviously like you were running around, you know. Right, keeping things on the tracks there. So, this is good. I've enjoyed this for sure. Uh, yeah, I've uh, like I said, I I was really looking forward to talking to you. I love your show. I love your vibe, the whole bit. Um, yeah, and during KetoCon, we I think you and I got a chance to talk twice, like for about ten minutes each time or something like that. It was not a long period of time, but that was you know we were all going a million miles an hour in different directions. But yeah, this is this is good for sure. Um, we should do more of it. You and Danny talk way a lot a lot more than uh than danny and i do um i'm not sure if i should be jealous about that or not <laughs> i actually haven't talked to danny in a while we need to regroup for sure <laughs> that's right it's been wait it's been an hour i'll uh <laughs> it's been like a week man it's been a long time since i talked Holy to danny. Cow, you guys have, you guys have not talked in a week something like that yeah dang long All lost right. brother over there <laughs> that's right that's a long time because i remember like at ketocon like you guys were hanging out at ketocon at the conference like during the conference, you guys were hanging out and then you were t- texting and talking to each other on the phone. Like after the, like it's at, like we're done for the day and you guys are still talking to each other on the phone. And, and I was we, like, and we'd work out together in the morning. The student, I'll throw I, that in. <laughs> I know. But then, and, you know, you guys are both fun to hang out with. So who wouldn't want, who wouldn't want to hang out with you guys? So I think we all just click. We're all, we've all got, you know, differences, but something common for sure. So it's, it's good to be able to relate. That's the coolest thing about KetoCon and is like having so many people in one room all passionate about something similar. Not necessarily the same, but similar. That's right. just a good vibe, you know. Yeah, and 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 the the cool thing to me is it's for various reasons. Like there's not no two people necessarily were were there for the same reasons or wanted to learn the same information or took away the same stuff, but it's it's definitely a community. The, the the ketocon thing is definitely a community builder um but it's also a way like it expands your horizons because you can there are people who are like oh i didn't know this was used for epilepsy you know and we had people who were talking about their experiences with cancer and people were like oh we can you know keto's being used as a way of uh, cancer treatment you know just all of these different things people learn you know mm-hmm. um you get people you, like someone get up there and i lost 200 pounds and like oh I've been, you know, I've been stuck at 17. I didn't know it was even possible. It just things like that. Being able to, again, learn the varieties and, and just connect with people. Like human beings are designed to want to connect with each other. And um, 
it's it's just tremendous. like especially when it's around something that is um, that is a common theme, you, you you can't beat that, you know. Well, I think you're a pivotal part of that, man. So I respect the hell out of you and appreciate you for playing such a big role in that connection. Well, I, I appreciate. I don't know how big a role I actually play, but <clears throat> I appreciate it. I'm just I um, if I can connect as many people to as many people as possible, then I'm happy. You know, I just, you and I have talked before, we just want to help people, you know, and if we can make a living doing it all the better, you know, but the truth of the matter is we're not doing this to, you know, to get on the stock exchange. We're doing this, you know, because it's the right thing to do. We're passionate about it. And there are a lot of people who need the help that we're trying to give them. So, um, if we can do a little bit of that, then cool, you know, consider it done. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, well, shoot, I can literally sit here and talk to you all day, but I got a client call in just a little bit. Um, ah, okay. Unfortunately, uh, what the, where can people go to find out more about you, man? So I've got a string of websites. Um, can I, can I mention them all or do you want to just narrow it down to just a couple? No, man. Mention them all and I'll plug them on the show notes too. Okay. So first, uh, the main one is Keto Evangelist. Um, that was my first website. That's the blog, the podcast. Um, Danny and I do the Ketogenic Athlete. Um, Carrie Brown and I do Keto Evangelist Kitchen. Um, the three of us, Carrie, Danny, and myself, we started something called Keto Evangelist Unlimited, which is a membership site. Um, I'm on Instagram. I, so I'm terrible at social media um, and I'm trying to get better. Uh, and so my Instagram feed is starting to not be, it's starting to move from horrible to terrible, right? So it's, it's not quite good yet. Um, but those kinds of things. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram as Keto Evangelist. Um, in Facebook, we've got a crap ton of Facebook groups. Um, probably the biggest Facebook group for keto in the United States is Ketogenic Success. We've got like close to 300,000 people, I think. I haven't even looked at the number lately. Maybe it's 200,000. Um, we've got the Ketogenic Athlete group in Facebook and Keto Evangelist Kitchen Face uh, Kitchen group in Facebook and um, various others, Advanced Keto for folks. Um, Keto Evangelist Coaching, uh, which uh, is uh, Mary Roberts and Katrina Harris run that for us. Um, two people you know. Yeah, Mary's my um, client. She's yeah, awesome. yeah, Mary's your client. That's right. I forgot about that. Um, she uh, she's one of my coaches, um, and just like I think I think I've got everything. We've got other sites that we're working on, either rebranding or we're going to be building out uh, over the next twelve months. Also, um, oh, I forgot ketocon.org. Uh, if you want to learn more about ketocon, um, I also have ballisticketo.com, which is my uh, MCT powder um, products. And uh, I, uh, this is where I'm terrible. Like I never promote myself, and this is part of the problem. You know? So I'm giving you an opportunity, man. You do so much for others. I want you to have a chance to tout uh, your own name here. I appreciate it. I just I I don't even know what to say. Like I'm so not skilled at this part of it. So. I think those are I think those are all of them. We've got some sites that are becoming that will be coming up in the next twelve months too uh, for different things. Or they're going to be rebranded and uh, coming up too. But I think those are the main ones. Um, anyway, so yeah, that was me being terrible at self promotion. So I apologize. I'll try and link out to all those. I might get jumbled up in the Facebook groups because so, you do okay. have a bunch of them. <laughs> That's all right too. Awesome, awesome. Well, Brian, man, it's a pleasure as always. I'm looking forward to KetoCon, man. It's just going to be it's going to be good to see you again in person, man. We're going to get some barbecue. 
Yeah, for sure. I would like to. I'd like to figure out a way that we could hang out prior to, but it, it may not happen. But yeah, we definitely want to hang out during KetoCon. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you for having me on the show. Like I said, I'm a huge fan. Um, and like I told you at KetoCon, you know, I want to do everything I can to to help you, to help Crystal. You know, you guys are awesome. Um, and and again, it comes down to you. You you're authentic. You know, I, I understand where you're coming from. And it makes me want to just help you guys even more as much as you know anything that I can. Not that I not that I can do much, but you know, anything that I can do, I really want to. So I appreciate you having me on the show. And and likewise, man, like I feel like you and I are on the same page and that we both realize that, you know, we're not trying to compete with each other, we're trying to be the best we can be for each other and it all comes full circle and we're all trying to be the best we can be for the community. And we have similar message and we come from similar backgrounds. So anything I can do for you, man, I'm all I'm all about it. Well, I appreciate it. I may be taking a camping trip to Arkansas soon. Hey, so well, my, my door is always open for you. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right, Brian. Well, again, man, pleasure as always, and we will talk soon for sure. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. See you, bud.